Satan, this is a question that um, I have been asking for a few weeks. Um, one of my servants from New York, he uh, recently moved to Houston and he said one of the catalysts was when his wife became pregnant and at the time they were living in New Jersey, they were looking at the school and it, they have now requirements in New Jersey in the public schools to teach classes about the LGBTQ. If our children are learning this in school, how can we follow what St. Paul was suggesting, which is avoiding the profane and the idleness? And then the second part is also, now this is going to be for my sister, who is a teacher in New York. So then how can our teachers continue working, but also work around this mandatory requirement? As Sayyidina mentioned, number one, God exists, and no one will resist uh, God's plan. This number one. Number two, the, the, the church, the family. It's not the solution that uh, encourages them to leave New York and to, to come to Houston or wherever, because it may affect other places too. So we, we need to educate our children and to strengthen our faith and uh, to continue believing that who's with us stronger than what's against us. And I like to elaborate yani, three points yani, in addition to what Sayyidina says. Number one, actually, we need to be courageous enough to defend our rights. All these executive orders right now are against our, the freedom of religion, of freedom of faith, and freedom of speech. So we need actually to stand and to defend our rights. These are constitutional rights. Yeah, with one accord, I talked to His Eminence Metropolitan Srabia the other day, and I told him, let us all get together, all the, the denominations, and try to have one voice, and actually present this voice to the leaders of this country. Number two, I think the Coptic schools. Coptic school is not luxury anymore. I think it's a must. And all of us as congregation and churches, we should invest and support having Coptic schools all over in order to protect our children. And number three, actually, what if persecution start to happen? Either to believe in this or you will be persecuted. We are the children of the martyrs. So we need to be courageous enough to say we ought, we ought to obey God more than men and to defend our faith, defend the deposit that was entrusted to us, even if we are persecuted for this. So these are just three quick points. Uh, some communities are not enough in some places to make a school. So what will happen if it's a small community in a, in a remote area? That's why I said, now I said, yeah. يعني, uh, in large, let's start with large communities. Course, yeah. But eventually, actually, the big churches and big areas should support also yeah, yeah. The, the small area. Um, for the lost youth, they often charge the church with being judgmental and cite this as the reason for leaving. What are some tools we can use to return them? Often they, they experience this judgmental attitude because maybe it's a, maybe it's perceived 
but regardless, whether it's perceived or it's real, it's something that's internal because maybe they have something that they were doing wrong. And maybe there's nothing wrong, but what's important is if you realize that somebody did leave the church because they experienced ju judgment or they felt judgment uh, towards them, we need to be uh, more loving. Have an open heart. Not to accept sin. If there is a sin, don't accept the sin. But love the person. Show them love. People are transformed when they meet Christ. And when they meet Christ in you, they can be touched. Christ's presence is transformative. And like Sayyidina said, this whole lecture, you have a deposit. And the grace of the Holy Spirit is one of those deposits that he spoke about. And so to, to keep that deposit and to allow the Holy Spirit to work in you so that Christ may shine. And when people meet Christ, they are changed, they are transformed. And so, yes, people did leave the church because they felt the church was judgmental. There's a book called You Lost Me. It was a, a research by the Barna Group that was done a number of years ago across America. And there were six reasons why uh, youth leave the church. And one of them is because they feel the church is judgmental, not just the Coptic church. We're talking about Orthodox, Protestant, Catholic churches. And so one of the top six reasons is because people feel the church is judgmental. But sometimes that's just perceived because they feel like, you know, the commandments of God are basically against what they want to do. And so they perceive this as, okay, we're saying what you're doing might not be correct. It's not correct. And so they look at that as I'm being judged. But to call sin by its name is one thing, and to judge someone is a different thing. And so if I, if I call sin by its name, but I love the person and reflect the light of Christ, they will be touched. And to, to, to let them know that they are always welcome. Christ never refuses someone who is repentant. And so show them love is the key to me. Yeah. Another question, somebody is asking why we call uh, bishops and priests fathers, although the Lord Jesus Christ said, do not call um, anybody father to you. Actually, the Lord was teaching the apostles that they should not have father in faith except Christ. So they, they should not be disciples to anyone except to Christ. Christ is their father in faith. But we call our biological fathers, fathers. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15, he said, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel. So St. Paul used the word father here. He said, I have begotten you in Christ. Yes, you have many instructors, but you cannot call these instructors fathers. It is me. I am your father who um, I have begotten you through the gospel. Also, John uh, the Baptist said to the Jews, don't uh, say about Abraham, we have Abraham our fathers, our father, because God can create from these stones children to Abraham. And the Lord actually said to the Jews, if you are the children of Abraham, if you call Abraham your father, 
you should do the works of Abraham. So the word father here, don't take it literally. Otherwise, St. Paul would be wrong when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. There's a question here, what do we suggest for us to say when we meet a person who left the Coptic Church who thinks our practices and traditions are culturally man-made or not from God? What's your opinion? If you are convinced that you are like the tree uprooted by the river and since you were young, you are a strong Coptic person, you don't need to answer by words, but number one, by example, by life. And uh, be knowledgeable, read about, you live to learn, read about your church more, and uh, it's not man-made, every thing in our traditions and rituals from the Bible, and tell the person who may ask you a question like this, why you left the, the Coptic Church? Definitely you find other reasons, but they, they want to put a good topic, the, 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 why they left. Um, what distracted them or attracted them to another direction? That's a more important question. Ask them and discuss it, discuss it with them. And uh, show them, as Sayyidina explained, the life of, from generation to generation, who, the fathers who defended the faith for us. And the, the liturgy is still there, the, the, the life of the saints is still there, all the strong teachings of the councils of the church is still there. So read more about your church and live by example. There's a question that says, what is the difference, if any, between fellowship in the church and friendship? Um, so as you know, I read this, I looked up the definition of fellowship and it says, fellowship is a group of people who share common interests or is a grant of, or is a grant of funds for a student. So a group of people who share common interests. So fellowship in the church is where actually I'm supposed to build proper friendships. It's where I'm supposed to build those friendships that last forever, those friendships that enable me to grow towards Christ. Oftentimes we find that we are having fellowship with people with different interests. We are having friendships outside with people who we've accepted um, as, as you know, co-workers and, and people in school and so on. And we've accepted them not only as acquaintances, but we've opened up our hearts to them. And we begin spending a lot of time with them. And I'm not saying it's wrong to, 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 to have fellowship with these people on, on an acquaintance level, but when you get very close and they have different interests, different moral values, then again, going back to the topic that Sayyidina gave today, to guard the deposit that is in you, the grace that is in you, the more you spend time with them, the more these little windows open up in your heart. And then the enemy uses that, and you get influenced by their companionship. Saint Theophan the Reclus gives this example. He says, Saint Theophan the Reclus is a Russian saint from, I think, the 19th century. And he gives this example. 
in a book called uh, The Spiritual Life and How to Be Spiritually Attuned. And he says, um, a man goes and works, in a, he gets hired in a factory. And the factory has a lot of smoke. And so the first day of work, as he enters, he coughs a ton. Because he can't stand the smoke, he's not used to it. But he has to go to work. So day after day, he shows up to work. After a few weeks in this work environment, he coughs less. After a few months, he coughs a lot less. After a few more months, he's barely coughing. He got desensitized to the smoke that was there. And so over time, we become desensitized, he's saying, to the environment we're in. And so the more windows we open with those acquaintances that have different moral values and let them become close friends, then their values kind of intertwine with ours and we begin to mingle and we begin to lose or begin to be desensitized to what it is we're supposed to do. King David says, I have kept your word in my heart. And in another place in the Psalm, Psalm 119, he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And he says, by keeping your word. And so keeping his word, I have to keep his word. And when I'm around these people with different interests, I find that I'm not able to keep his word. I find that I'm beginning to accept the different ideologies. Maybe the first day I'm with these people, kind of like that man in the smoke factory, I'm sensitive to it. I'm not able to accept it. But over time, I become desensitized. And so be careful about your fellowship with others. Choose the right friends always. In scripture, again, it says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And so the company we keep has a huge influence on us. Do have proper fellowship with people in the center. I think proper friends, so according to the definition of fellowship, I mean, Satan can correct me, but so I looked up just the definition of fellowship. It's someone who has the same interests. And so I should have the same interest in my friendships. So my friendship should be Christian fellowships. I should have the same interests. I should have the same objective. Saint Dorotheos, I've shared this with you all before. Saint Dorotheos says, if you, if you picture a circle and you place Christ in the center, Christ is the center of our life. And if you place different individuals on the circumference of the circle, and then you say, okay, different people have different walks. Some are striving and struggling to be Christ-like. And so as they struggle to be Christ-like, they move towards the center of this. Imagine this is the center. Actually, here, we have a, can you all see the table properly? So Christ is here, and people are on the outside of the circle. And then different people struggle, and so they're moving towards Christ. Others are moving outside. They, they live a life of sin. They're not guarding that deposit. What happens if two people claim to love one another, but maybe one is moving towards Christ, but, or trying to move towards Christ, but the other one's moving outside? They're moving, what, further apart. But if two people are striving towards Christ, what's happening? Like even if on the opposite end of the circle, if they're both moving towards Christ, what happens to them as they move closer to Christ? They move closer to one another. They grow in love for one another. And so that friendship is a solid friendship. It's a truthful friendship. It's one that lasts. It's one that's filled with love. Do all good works have the same reward 
is cleaning the church equal to evangelizing if their word of the same is the same regardless of the effect serving one versus serving hundred yes it depends on how faithful and how wise you are in your stewardship it doesn't depend on how many gifts you have or what is the gift that you received so if my gift the talent what God entrusted me with is just to clean the church this actually in God's eye is as equal as another person whose gift is actually to evangelize two thousand of people and do you remember the story of the widow that paid the two mites the Lord said she paid more than everyone else she paid from her needs so these two mites can be your gift what God gave you what God entrusted you so as long as you are faithful and wise in your gift and what God gave you then actually you will get maybe more reward than a person who received so many gifts but he is not as faithful as wise but if I'm not faithful if I received so many gifts I'm not faithful in them I'm serving one although it's my ability to serve a hundred then no here I will be held accountable for this if we have uh, if we have a loved one who has strayed from the faith and fallen into false knowledge how can we get them back although he firmly believed incorrectly I thank you for your love and your care about others that's a very positive good attitude that you're not a selfish person uh, running and moving in a close circle about yourself you care about others and you mentioned them the loved ones um, number one with one accord again pray for them put their names every day in your prayers that God please bring them back they are your sons and you created them to live not to die it's better to man not to be created that he may be created and perish as the great said so he's a valuable person to you I'm happy for that and this Christianity number two be strong and pray for yourself and say please God I'm not stronger than the world against the world and against me my, my brother my sister went astray because of distraction because of this because of that so keep yourself pure keep yourself always uh, good, uh, on the right track pray more for yourself and for your uh, healthy relation with God and be always uprooted with the, like a living branch in the living tree so we pray for them we care about ourselves we continue being uh, uprooted in the church and uh, thinking about the church as God's creation all of them God created them to live not to die so it's a good attitude that we think about others 
us. But repentance is always hard when we concern when we are concerned about Abuna and how he's going to treat us differently. Abuna won't treat you differently. The fathers, you give them peace of mind when you actually confess openly and when you confess uh, transparently and you're not hiding anything. You know, there's nothing that you hide that will not be revealed, and there's nothing that you hide that Christ doesn't see. And so, repentance starts in your in your inner room, where you stand before God and, and ask Him to examine your heart. And when He convicts you of sin, then you you, you take that and, and you you know you offer repentance to the Lord, you apologize, and you go having a sincere desire to change and go speak to your Father of confession and expose these things. When you expose these things, the devil has less of a grip on you. And so you free yourself. You free yourself from the hold that the devil has on you with that particular sin that you're, you know, feeling Abuna will think differently. And Abuna will actually rejoice because his main concern, the main concern of every father of confession is not the buildings, is not, you know, the, 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 the the different activities in the church, none of that. The main concern is your soul. And him making sure that he takes your soul and says to the Lord, I've done everything for this person. And rejoices with you in the kingdom. And so when you are honest in your confession, and when you go not fearing what Abuna will think, actually Abuna will be proud of you. Not because you sinned, but because you repented. He'll be so proud of you. And so go and confess. Don't worry about what Abuna will think. He'll make him proud. Again, not because you sin. Don't go sin and then go confess. But do confess, knowing that you'll make him proud for being honest and revealing.